0: You're passionate about working in public health to address some of the most difficult health challenges of our time. But how do you know if you're good at public health? You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health and global health. From the Sustainable Development Goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogues about the diverse career opportunities that exist in these fields. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so other people like you can benefit from our
1: content. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily represent any of the agencies or organizations we work for Or are affiliated with. Hi
0: everyone, my name is Gordon, your host for this episode, along with my co host, LaShawn. And in this episode, we'll be talking about some core competencies to public health practice. LaShawn, before we talked about some competencies, and it feels like a long time ago, focusing on the Public Health Agency of Canada competencies, and now we found a different set of competencies. What are these ones about?
1: So the core competencies for public health professionals, which is what we're going to be talking about today, are essentially a group of knowledges and skills for the broad practice of public health, as defined by 10 essential public health services. And these set of core competencies were developed by the Council on Linkages between Academia and Public Health Practice, otherwise known as the Council on Linkages. So these core competencies really reflect foundational or cross-cutting knowledge and skills that public health professionals engage in when they're talking about practice, education, hmm. and research. We talk about practice. We're, we're talking about practice? We talk about practice? Why is shout practice out, important? Why is shout out, out important? to Why Alan Iverson. Right. Well, so before we get there, These are essential things, knowledge and skills, like I mentioned. But before we get there, the competencies that we're going to talk about today are actually organized into eight domains. And these domains represent different skill areas within public health. Okay? And within those, they get subdivided even more and talks about different responsibilities within public health organizations. But today, we're going to be talking about those eight domains and some of the subcategories under them. Does that sound like fun? Okay. So the first
0: domain, LaShawn, on that list is data analytics and assessment skills. This tends to be a common one.
1: But what does this typically entail? So thanks, Gordon. So the first one would be data analytics and assessment skills. So when we're talking about this, it's a very broad group of things. and. As a public health professional, we're always delving into evidence-based practice. So we're going to have supporting data that's going to inform a lot of the decisions we're making in public health. So the skills that are involved in this data analytics and assessment skill domain looks at really describing factors that affect health, health of a community, utilizing qualitative and quantitative data, how to collect that qualitative and quantitative data, how to obviously analyze that data, how to manage that data, and actually using that data and applying it, mm. whether it's in public health informatics or using it to assess community health status. How do mm. people actually get these types of skills, Gordon? It yeah. sounds like a lot.
0: Yeah, the good, I'm, I'm really glad you went through them in such detail because there's two there, right? So describe factors that affect the health of a community Mm -hmm. and then assess community health status. Yeah. So in between those, it's all the data analysis, interpretation, communication type pieces. And what you, all you're really trying to do is be able to articulate the health status of a community by telling stories through data. So that's Mm -hmm. very important in terms of how to get these skills Research presents a good opportunity to fine-tune your technical skills around research methods, study design, Mm -hmm. collecting data, analyzing data, writing a report, presenting that report uh, to different stakeholders. And that's a good way to get that experience. A lot of people, depending on how they choose to do their post-secondary education, would be exposed to this through their learnings, and you could further pursue opportunities through a researcher at a university, as a good place to start. And, you know, some people might find it's not for them to become a master in those things, but you should at least have some understanding of this.
1: Absolutely. And at its core, these skills that we listed, they're applicable to many different areas within public health. However, when you're thinking about the context of the specific public health organization you're working with, they might have specific rules and guidelines on how to collect data and the ethics behind that data and how to make sure that, Mm. you know, your collection strategies are ethics approved and stuff like that. So you just want to make sure that, yes, there are these skills that you could get in public health, but where are you actually applying these skills? They're at public health organizations with their own rules and policies and regulations to consider Mm. right now.
0: Yeah, and even... That's good because the quantitative data and qualitative data are different in that, in the purpose they serve and how they're collected. So some people might be exposed to both depending on their training and education, might be exposed to neither and may be exposed to one and not the other. So there are courses, we've talked about them in episodes before that you could take if you need to refresh your skills or to get new skills and understanding and we would encourage you to check those out.
1: Absolutely. So, that second domain, Gordon, what's that about? Hmm. Policy development and program planning skills.
0: Oof. Policy development, program planning. Yikes. So, this one, the reason I pause there is because this is probably the central part of my role in terms of what I do on a day to day basis. <laughs> And it can be quite difficult because this is where things get a little bit political as mm-hmm. well. So there's there, there needs to be some political understanding as well as political an understanding of political tact, diplomacy, acuity, whatever words you, mm-hmm. you decide to use. And I found it out probably the hard way is the more complex and the more high stakes your project is. But, yeah, essentially, you know, developing programs, services, projects, And that ties back to the data piece. So you collect your data, you assess the health of the community, then it's now what? So what are you going to do with that data? Does the data tell you there's a specific health or disease state that you should be addressing? Does the data tell you that there's inequities that exist for certain populations with respect to a certain health state or disease? And then how are you planning to go about remedying that situation? And that's what this piece touches on.
1: Absolutely. And I really like how you touched on those external factors that may affect programming policies and services. Again, Mm -hmm. in public health, we do not work in isolation. You can think all you want that public health is apolitical, but it's not, unfortunately. And so you Mm -hmm. have to be able to engage and have that political acuity or tact that Gordon's talking about. Now, you also within this domain, you want to think about the organization as a whole what fundamentally does the organization do? If it's a harm reduction organization, are you going to focus on a program that aims in diabetes uh, prevention? Probably not. So you want to make sure when you're thinking of program and policy development and planning, you want to make sure it makes sense from a strategic perspective of the organization. So keep that in mind, because of course there's so many different programs, services that anyone can offer, but does it make sense? And does it stay true to your vision, mission, goals, and the community you serve?
0: Mm. And we didn't talk about this, but it's one thing to plan something, and then it's another thing to be evidence-informed, and then it's another thing to be able to evaluate it to see Mm. if it's working. So the competencies under this domain really hone in on, your ability to demonstrate that you have evidence to support the effectiveness or the ineffectiveness of a particular program that was implemented. And so those evaluation indicators would have to be built in early on in the process so that you can look back and see if those metrics are being met. And that really hones in on this specific domain number two, policy development and program planning skills.
1: And just to contextualize this a bit more, you might be wondering, oh my gosh, there's so many different aspects to this, developing policies, implementing policies, evaluating, improving, influencing. And we understand that at anyone's given job, they might be only working on one or two aspects of of these specific competencies. But what we encourage you to do is take a step back and think about where your pieces that you do fit in the puzzle and figure out Like, why is it important for steps before the stuff you work on? Why are those important and fundamental Mm -hmm. to what you're doing? And what about the steps after? Once you're done with the work, where does it go next? Think about the overall flow of what you're doing and try fitting it in to how your organization functions. And it'll help get you a better idea of how this whole cycle works or this whole process works. Mm -hmm. And...
0: How do you go about getting those skills or refining those skills? So, policy development, I would suggest that maybe you connect with organizations with a mandate for advocacy. Mm-hmm. Like a so- professional they,
1: associations for specific. professional.
0: Right, professional yeah. associations tend to do a lot of advocacy as well. And understanding of how to write maybe a briefing note, how to write policy statements, or even... Position statements as well. A lot of those tools are used often in public health for policy development and advocacy. And that probably gets you in a position where you can exercise those. And then program planning, it's a little bit more difficult. You have to look for organizations that deliver programs and services and that meet this a specific need of a population that it's catered to serving. And look for ways to be involved in that process. Are you going to be involved in the outreach of that project, stakeholder engagement? Are you going to be involved in the developing the evaluation plan? Are you going to be involved in the early days of figuring out how to roll something out? And I think that you might not get the experience of being involved, like LaShawn said, in every different component of that. But understanding of how separate pieces work is very fundamental.
1: So are we going to talk about the elephant in the room? Elephant in the room, you know what I'm talking about project management oh did you forget about our friend? I forgot a, you know it's it's ubiquitous oh it's ubiquitous in Damn. public health. okay, tell us a bit more about that.
0: <laughs> I don't know what ubiquitous means. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember from, you remember uh, <laughs> biology where there's like that UB protein? Oh, yeah. Homie yeah, yeah that did yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like yeah,
1: ubiqu- yeah. Ubiqu- yeah. ubiquitin. So.
0: I know there's ubiquitin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think because the homie was everywhere kind of thing. <laughs> so it was like ubiquitous. That's right. funny. I like that. So, yeah, no, you brought it up. Po- project management is a framework or a set of methodologies to guide how work is done. And that's fundamental, fundamental. instrumental essential
1: essential mandatory no not mandatory mandatory should be mandatory in public health curriculum for program planning because
0: what you're really talking about is you have funding or set of resources to do something and you are tasked with optimizing the results from that resources that you're provided and engage engaging with stakeholders in a way that the schedule and time is managed appropriately Ensuring that the scope of the project is in line with what the funds are administered to do. Those are some skills that don't come when you wake up after you sleep. So we know we saw, you know, we're very connected to students that we mentored. And we see this propagating more and more people pursuing certifications in project management. And you love to see it. Communication skills. So where does that fit? And that's the third domain. And it's not mutually exclusive from project management. Mm-hmm. It's essential to project management, but in the context of ubiquitous, a domain. It's ubiquitous, right? That's the word. We'll call this ubiquitous core competencies in public health. Oh
1: That's what we'll gosh. call this
0: episode. You got
1: to double check But yeah, the communication. On
0: that. Communication, LaShawn. Communicate. There's songs about it. There's pop songs there's rap songs there's hip-hop songs
1: about communication love advice what do we
0: really mean by this in public health okay
1: so when we're talking about it within the domain three communication skills Mm -hmm. we're talking about determining communication strategy being able to communicate with internal and external audiences Mm, being able to yeah being able to respond to information misinformation disinformation And being able to facilitate communication amongst a broad group of people. So, Hmm. let's break that down. Determining communication strategies. Hmm. Why is that important? Well, let me tell you. Hmm. In public health, we're working with communities. Is everyone in that community the same, Gordon? Yes or no? No. Does everyone in that community have the same understanding of everything? Yes or no? As much as we would like, the answer is no. So why wouldn't you want to tailor your communication strategies so that everyone can understand any given message that you're sending out? You know your population is diverse and different, so why can't your communication strategies also be that dynamic? This is something we have to consider. you
0: You touched on it, internal and external as well. So even if you break it down that way, there are different needs for internal stakeholders is it the decision making group with a director CEO your boss? is it a peer is it someone on the project team how are, what are your communication methods for each different group and that's important as well because before something gets out to the community, it's likely that it was developed internally first so how how about you get your house in order first before we put things out there in a way that people are unable to understand, and plain language is so important. Language, we did yeah. an episode on that recently, and just the way you even frame something, and the call to actions, and where that's situated, and what part is the action located in the text, and those things are. And then testing important. your messages
1: too with the audience that's going to be mm. with that the message is going to be sent to, very important. So, Gordon, if you were to give me one quick sentence on why communication is important in public health, what would you say?
0: Okay, that's a good question. What I would say is communication is important to public health because miscommunication or a lack of communication can have dire health consequences.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Again, there's so many examples out there where communication strategies go awry and a lot of people get confused. A lot of people, you know, lose trust in the system. So it's Mm. fundamental that we're able to communicate and understand people's communications needs and understand where people are at, where they're receiving this information from. Understanding there are differences in, you know, languages, for example. Understanding English or different languages so just being a bit intentional with what you're doing mm-hmm. as a public health professional.
0: And let's let's hone in on the external communication and then mapping that on to how you can acquire these skills. And the reason I put those two together is because we've talked about this ad nauseum oh. in a lot of our public health content about whether media training and more more comprehensive communication lessons should be taught to public health practitioners. And, you know, media is not something that comes natural to people. Presentations is not something that comes natural to people. But yet it's also critically important for the message to be delivered as it's intended and to be received in the way it is meant to be received. And that's something that we don't go far enough. And Lashawn and I doing more, almost 200 episodes of podcasts, has helped us be better oral communicators. We have to listen back to ourselves a lot of times after we talk or we record a podcast, and sometimes it's not very good. (laughs) And so we're very self-aware of how we're coming across the types of words that we're using if we feel like we're isolating people and what we could do to improve. And I know it's difficult for people, not encouraging people to walk around with their phone in their pocket recording their every word, but... Be aware of how you sound and what you, how you look when you are presenting or delivering oral communication because the results might surprise you. You might be better than you think or not as good as you think, and therefore you have some room to improve.
1: Yeah, always ask for
0: feedback. Feedback. There we go. And I'm, I'm the one first one to give LaShawn feedback, and right. he does the same.
1: Let's go into the fourth domain now. Health equity skills. What does this entail, Gordon? Why is it important to have health equity skills in public health? I'll tell you why. Well, being able to think about ethics, diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, being able to, like Mm -hmm. Gordon said, engage in continuous self-reflection about one's biases. In public health, you're going to be confronted with numerous situations where you're going to have different ideologies, ideas conflict with some of your beliefs. And it's you, your task as a public health professional to continuously have this self-reflection and see what are your biases and how you can address those biases. Okay? Recognize like we've been saying throughout this podcast that there is diversity among individuals and populations. How do we as public health professionals, address systemic and structural barriers that allow these inequities to persist in our communities. Mm-hmm. These are all important things. Right. So this is the thing. And I think, I think we have to take it
0: one step further for it to hit home, and I'll mm-hmm. tell you why. So it is entirely possible to, if we go back to Domain 2, where we talk about program planning, it is entirely possible to develop a program that is effective. Mm-hmm. So if you develop a program around diabetes, education, and insulin distribution or what have you, you can have a very successful program that further marginalizes people who are on the outskirts as well. So, don't, so let me just repeat that again one more time. You can implement a diabetes prevention program that disproportionately helps people who are not as in need as other populations who might not have the resources. So on the surface, it looks like the program is working, and it is. But if you don't integrate equity into the planning, you will lose sight of those priority populations who are those equity-deserving populations Mm -hmm. who need a different type of support. So equity superimposed onto the principles of program planning is critically important because everything we do in public health is targeted towards addressing the social determinants of health. And again, it's entirely possible that your program works very well, but it's not working very well for everybody or the people that it's supposed to. And we recorded an episode with Dr. Martin a few weeks ago about clinical trials. Dr. Edelisa Martin about clinical trials, and there's a lot of work that goes into clinical trials. It's, it's very methodologically sound, but and if priority populations are not included, then we don't know if the medications or the interventions even work for those groups. So even though the right steps were taken scientifically, there's only certain things that you'll learn from including people, and that can't be missed.
1: Absolutely, and if you want to learn more about the clinical diversity in clinical trials, or the diversity Mm. in clinical trials, check out episodes 168 and 169, and Dr. Mm. Adelisa Martin drops bombs, Mm. so make sure you have a listen to that. So, Gordon, one of the competencies listed under health equity skills is the ability to advocate for health equity and social and environmental justice. Why do you think that's important as a public health professional? Mm.
0: social justice environmental justice and being able to advocate for that so in the world that we live now decisions that are made in one place or a specific jurisdiction can have dire consequences unintended consequences you could argue on other populations so if you think about climate change and different policies that influences the climate you know you're living in a maybe a good community and you're not really it's not prone to flooding and different types of natural disasters but there might be policies that you're implementing that deforestation and things like that that are impacting other communities elsewhere whether it's nationally or across the world and we have to be mindful that Even though there's a benefit to doing those things to the immediate population that lives there, maybe it's not a net positive because other people are disproportionately negatively affected. And that's where you have to have a social and environmental justice lens to everything that we do. For example, if we're going to get rid of gas stations and have stations for electric charging of vehicles, those typically people who are more wealthy can afford those vehicles and therefore... People who aren't as wealthy will have less opportunities to, you know, get fuel and move around in transportation and such and such. So it's important to think about as much as we want to move the world forward, we can't do it at the expense of others. So we talked about four of the eight domains and we'll be back next time to talk about the other four. This is Gordon and LaShawn talking about core competencies in public health and we'll be back next time with the latest and greatest. Cheers. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.